0: I'm Dr. Stephanie Martin, Maternal Fetal Medicine Specialist and Medical Director at Clinical Concepts and Obstetrics. Today, I want to talk about some key points for the patient with mitral stenosis who's pregnant. We hear about mitral stenosis as being one of those concerning cardiac abnormalities, and I'm hoping to demystify it a little bit and help you understand how to approach the patient with mitral stenosis and where the potential issues might lie. Now, if you'll remember, the mitral valve is what controls flow from the left atrium to the left ventricle. And then the blood is pumped out to the body. So in order for the left ventricle to have adequate amounts of blood to pump to the body and provide cardiac output, there has to be adequate amount of blood traveling from the left atrium to the left ventricle. And the degree of narrowing or stenosis of that mitral valve is going to determine how well blood is moving from the left atrium to the left ventricle. So anytime that valve area is narrowed or stenotic, the emptying of the left atrium is going to be very limited. And therefore, the left ventricle will not be adequately filled and not be able to adequately perfuse the body, which translates to decreased cardiac output. Now we're going to talk again about my favorite formula. Cardiac output equals heart rate times stroke volume. And this is really important to understand mitral stenosis and and what the issues are. In this case, cardiac output will be decreased due to the decreased stroke volume because the left ventricle is inadequately filled. Fluids not getting from the left atrium to the left ventricle, the left ventricle can't maintain stroke volume, therefore cardiac output is decreased. So in response, the heart rate might increase Remember, cardiac output is heart rate times stroke volume. If stroke volume goes down and we want to maintain cardiac output, then the heart rate has to go up. But with mitral stenosis, this is a real problem. Now, if the heart rate increases with mitral stenosis too much, then there's not enough time for the blood to trickle out of that left atrium through that narrowed opening and fill the left ventricle. So the heart is really relying on time. So if the heart rate is slow enough, then there's gonna be plenty of time for the fluid to trickle through that valve out of the left atrium and into the left ventricle. If there's less time in between heartbeats, then there's less time from fluid to get across. Now, sometimes people ask me, well, what's the right heart rate? I don't know exactly what the right heart rate is. And it's gonna depend to a certain degree on what the size of the valve area is. So each heart is going to be a little bit different. If the valve area is normal, the patient should be able to tolerate really most heart rates. If the valve area is very, very narrow and constricted, even slower heart rates may be too much, and the patient may not be able to overcome that narrowing. Because in pregnancy, you've got increased volume. You've got increased amount of fluid that the heart is being challenged with. And so it might, the patient might have been oh fi- fine without symptoms before she got pregnant. Now she's pregnant. We've increased the volume. We've increased the amount of fluid that has to get from the left atrium to the left ventricle. And that valve is too narrow. So what was okay before is no longer okay. So what can make the heart rate increase? Well, pregnancy makes the heart rate increase. Just because the patient is pregnant, her heart rate is going to go up somewhere around 10 to 15%. Exercise. Now, that can be deliberate exercise, or it could be just normal activities of daily living that make your heart rate increase. Pain absolutely makes a heart rate increase, especially pain of labor. But what if the patient bleeds and is volume depleted? She's got even less fluid that can overcome that obstruction. Or let's say she becomes dehydrated or something else changes that decreases her preload. Then the heart rate might increase to compensate. Now, the other thing to remember with this, with these kind of patients is that If that left atrium doesn't have enough time in between heartbeats to empty adequately into the left ventricle, what's gonna happen to that left atrium? It's gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger because the blood is just gonna keep collecting in that left atrium. If it's not emptying adequately, if it's like a clogged drain, then the left atrium is just gonna increase in size. And what happens when the atrium increases in size? A couple of things. First is atrial fibrillation. So if that muscle gets overstretched, the patient's certainly at risk for developing atrial fibrillation because the muscle's just overstretched from an enlarged left atrium. But the second is pulmonary edema. And that can happen with or without atrial fibrillation. The patient could get either one or both of these uh, potential complications. But if that left atrium can't adequately empty, the only other place for that blood to go is back into the lungs, then you end up with cardiogenic or hydrostatic pulmonary edema meaning the fluid is leaking into the lungs, not because there's a problem with the blood vessels themselves, not because the blood vessels have been damaged and fluid is leaking out, but because the heart itself is overwhelmed and the fluid is overflowing. It's a backflow from the heart that can't accommodate it. So they develop cardiogenic pulmonary edema and they can develop atrial fibrillation. So tachycardia is your enemy in patients with mitral stenosis. Your focus should be on managing their heart rate keeping it under control to allow for enough time for the left ventricle to fill, allow for enough time for the blood to empty from the left atrium into that left ventricle. How do we do that? We control pain, we avoid loss of fluid, and we consider beta blockers. Sometimes these patients need to be on beta blockers throughout their pregnancy. Sometimes they need to be on continuous beta blocker infusions during labor and delivery or during their cesarean section to control their heart rate. Epidurals are great for these patients. Neuraxial anesthesia is great for these patients because it accomplishes controlling pain, controlling exertion during the delivery process, but they may still also need beta blockers in addition. So remember, tachycardia is the enemy in patients with mitral stenosis, and the most common complications you're going to see with these patients, atrial fibrillation and pulmonary edema. Hope that helps you understand what we're dealing with with these patients and what we worry about. Until next time.